0: All my hexes
1: live in Texas Where something dark has broken free And all of these hexes still in Texas Oh Hext is a place you should
2: Welcome to The Debrief for Hunt 2. I'm Bernetta, as always. I'm your keeper. And so we're going to go through, we're going to tackle a few questions, have a little bit of a discussion, and then handle some of the mechanical aspects of the hunt. If you're interested in that, then that's great. Listen on. If you're not, then feel free to come back in two weeks and listen to our, our next episode. So let's start with... Nav. Nav, I I think um, one of the things that happened halfway through that mechanically you're probably going to want to explain is the ceremony. Why did we have the ceremony that took place where Ochos ended up with this dark passenger?
3: Ochos, as a character, had a transformation in the middle of Hunt 2. And he, as part of his leveling up eventually chose to move towards the monstrous playbook. So the way we decided to do that was to have him go through the ceremony through the sect. And he, during the ceremony, he basically melds with, um, another entity from another portal through the portal, another dimension. And now he has this dark passenger that he carries around with him. And, uh, how that, that dark passenger will manifest itself is, is slowly but surely being played out, but it's going to influence his actions and in some, in some instances will completely take over. And he will basically be playing almost two characters and uh, it kind of helps to explain his forgetfulness and the blackouts. And there's definitely uh, another agenda that is, that is, uh, being, that is being executed uh, through Ochoa, but that's what's going on right here with him. And He's, he's in a real state of confusion about this because he doesn't know, he doesn't know who to trust at this point anymore. He doesn't know if the entity that is within him is, uh, is truly in full alignment with his beliefs Mm -hmm. and what he was raised to believe in his sect.
2: Well, and especially with the end of act two, you see that these, these two creatures that you were fighting with, that you did terrible, pretty bad harm to one of them, Mm -hmm. right? It turns out that they perhaps were just people with yeah. similar afflictions to you. Similar passengers. So I think that's gonna be really fun to figure, like for y'all to figure out what that means and what, what that means for Ochoa moving forward.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Ochoa believes that uh, monsters in in this world serve the gods and Powerful monsters can enslave humans to, to serve their, their masters and their gods. And at this point, when Ochoa sees monsters suddenly revert back to human form, um, that's going to just fill him with some serious fear and doubt about his own fate.
0: It's going to be fun.
2: <laughs> so how about Jimmy? Jimmy uh, had a lot of revelations this time. Oh, boy. <laughs> how do you feel about, about Jimmy? Moving forward, Ty
1: Jimmy has not had a whole lot of time to process all this. It has been a very much like a speed run of this. So he's just like, okay, let's just keep going. But now that this is all done, and he will be actually alone with these revelations and his own thoughts, it's and it's going to catch up to him like it did at at, when he heard the the chanting for a little bit. But that's going to be. Probably the straw that breaks a camel's back. Like Yeah. He he just realized recently, like maybe past year, couple of months, that like he wasn't just lucky. Yeah. That he actually had powers and that he's starting to hone them, but he's not sure if uh um if he wants to embrace it or if he wants to try and get rid of them. Um he doesn't know what he wants going forward with this but what he does want is some truth for once um he like he doesn't know the origin of why he has these powers he doesn't know uh or there's a lot of stuff that his parents haven't been telling him like they finally came clean on like what two things out of
2: I mean, there's pretty big things. They're pretty big things, but... Mommy's an owl and daddy's over 100 years old. That's kind of a big deal.
1: <laughs> they didn't teach that in sex ed. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just, there's a lot to process that it has been too short of amount of time for him to just, like, just like, yeah, move on. Yeah, move on. We'll, it's like, we'll think about it later. And that's just kind of how he's always done it. But later's come. Yeah. And he, I don't know if he's going to have the resilience to push through it or if he does, like, what he's going to do with the information. But I think his personal crusade right now is to figure out why he has these powers and what his role is in all of this. Because you don't just give powers to somebody. So it was either by accident or it was intentional and he's supposed to do something that he's not aware of
2: be fun to find out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, Lenore, Lenore had to do the thing that she hates to do, which is open up to a whole bunch of people. Share. Yeah, sharing sucks. Trust. So, Jasmine, what do you, how do you feel about Lenore's journey through this hunt? Well, you're right that she had to decide whether or not she was going
4: to actually tell anybody about the trouble she was having and admit that she needed help. And it, it finally took a threat to the things she holds most dear, to share even a little bit. But I think ultimately, Lenore's actions in this hunt were pretty self-focused, pretty motivated by, to keep the things she cared about safe, as opposed to trying to help other people in the town. Uh, like even metagame-wise, when you asked us, who do we want to have a conversation with in a couple of days between, what, Saturday morning? Mm-hmm. And Wednesday. and Wednesday. Yeah. At first, I thought I'd go for like a conversation with the sheriff and confront him and, and see if I could get more information one way or another. But ultimately, I decided that Lenore's main concern right now would be how to keep her, her mom safe. And that's a bit of a... If Lenore really does come to terms with it and doesn't ignore the way she's behaved, that, that is completely opposite to how she perceives herself. Right, what our priorities are. It's been a been a rough week for everybody, but I don't know. I think Leonard's got some soul searching to do after this. She literally just murdered a man.
2: Yeah, and for a him, human, a human being. Yeah, so but it's a big deal. It is going to be interesting to see it was. what she comes out of that. I mean, it was really fun to do, but also, yeah, no, I mean, mechanically, <laughs> it was really cool to do eight harm like that doesn't happen, but it it was definitely. Um, Unexpected, not yeah. just because you rolled so well, but but also unexpected for to me as a keeper that Lenore would kill another human being. Yeah, um, that was that was not didn't think that was going to happen. So I'm I'm really interested to see how Lenore copes with that. Yeah, and what about Charlie? Charlie's gone through some evolution, and uh, I think we we kind of mechanically tried to help with you adopting a new playbook, Sarah, mm-hmm. um, in a very different way than say, uh, ochos, but still narratively make it happen. So why don't you tell everyone about the playbook that you took and um, you know, how, how you see that working in the future?
5: Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the biggest issue that we ended up having is that Charlie in her, like, Session 1 form is not particularly geared for magic. And then it sort of became a very large part of her life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and we wanted to incorporate it more, but we didn't want it to feel like a spellslinger or anything like I mean, we just there was not the sort of like mage thing that we wanted.
2: Yeah. Um, not so much D&D right. feel, but more of a
5: I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's edge-witch. It's, like, kind of it's, it's, mm-hmm. um, like kinda pseudo-Wicca stuff. So the playbook is from the Tome of Mysteries, and it's called The Hex. And it's a little bit more, like, formalized, mm-hmm. I guess. So you get, like, actual written bells, they're called rotes, where you can do magic, but it has a sort of more predictable effect. Mm-hmm. But Charlie is also not there yet. So uh, we've been kind of trying to figure out, like, what, how we get all the way into the Hex playbook, if that's, if we do a full transition, or how she gets her first rote. And so it's, we, we're kind of getting there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a big thing, that the introduction of the the Tome of Mysteries was something that we hadn't done when we created all these characters. And so we went through and now we've only got two characters who can currently use magic and that's mm-hmm. Charlie and, um, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And in place of that, we had, we had Nav and Lenore take two different moves. And you're s- close enough.
5: Now, Ochoa you're good.
2: We had Nav and Jazz take different moves for their characters, Lenore and Ocho. So, what did you take instead of use magic,
0: right. Nav?
3: So Ochoa gave up use magic and replaced it with the telekinesis ability. Yeah. Which we saw actually in action a little bit. Yeah, it was super right. cool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then um, Lenore took... Well,
4: Lenore has a plus one weird, but she's never used magic, and I never planned really to have her go down that route. I took trust your gut, which mm-hmm. uses weird as well which is kind of what Lenore tends to do anyway, and helps give her a sense of where to go next, similar to like Jimmy's hunch, but a little more based in um, an instinct. Yeah. And I guess sort of subconscious gathering of clues. Mm -hmm. Putting it all together. Yeah, which makes sense with the flake, I thought.
2: Yeah, definitely. So one of the cool things that when we were talking about these characters off the air that um, I think Jazz, or maybe it was Sarah said, was that, This show has very quickly become about people and their relationships to their family (laughs) and the effects that their families have on them. And I I think that, I mean, there's some really obvious ways that, that that has manifested, like with Jimmy finding out that his mom is an owl and there's some sort of strange, dark things that have happened in the past, which may have an effect on who he is as a person or why he is where he is. But then in in less and, like, more subtle ways, we have Ochoa, who is coming from his family with his ideas of what the world is and what monsters are. And his relationship to that world, all of that is family-based as well. There's these legacies that all of you are carrying.
5: I mean, the weirdest part for Charlie is that her, like, Aunt Viv was the person in her family that she was the closest with, that she felt, like, the most kinship with, the most comfortable with. And now it's like she didn't know her at all. And so it's like this very strange, like being entrusted with all of this stuff and just having like zero prep, zero idea. And that, that confusion that comes with it. She's sort of trying to like, it's I mean, it's similar kind of to what Jimmy's going through where like she thought she knew her Aunt Viv and like thought that that was like the person that she was like the closest with and then like didn't, just didn't know. Anything really. And that's, that's been a little
3: bit weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. How about for, for you, Nav? What do you think?
3: Oh, uh, I, I think it's really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see where Ochoa goes in the future. You know, as he he's raised in this culture where monsters are a thing and they're real, and he's, he's been raised to be aware of them. And, and to a certain degree, as he's become an adult and risen up through the sect, he's been groomed to do battle with these things, you know, and, and to, uh, either be a protector or to be a warrior on behalf of whatever the mission of the sect is. And now we're seeing him potentially becoming one. So there's a real, there's a real crisis of conscience going on here for Ochoa. I mean, for him to suddenly become the thing that he had, has been trained to hunt his, his whole life is going to be very interesting. He's conflicted, and, uh, and I'm excited. So the stuff, some of the, the powers that he is going to be showing off, uh, you know, unholy strength and this ability to, this dark negotiator power that he also picked up, and uh, these are all going to be really, really fun things to play with and to really uh, flex his humanity and see, see how far we can stretch that.
2: Yeah. How about Jimmy Lenore?
3: What
1: about family ties? Or Yeah. I mean, his mom's an owl. Like,
3: <laughs> he, he's going to have some really weird questions. Like, what well, does that even mean? Well, the question I have is Was, was Jimmy hat? Yeah. Like.
5: <laughs> well, but she's not always an owl. Yeah. She's a shapeshifter. I mean, she's mostly an owl, it seems. Mostly owl. Yeah.
3: Little owls are cute. Oh, yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I mean, can see Jimmy going through his first molt. <laughs> what does your sister know about any of this?
1: Yeah, like, I haven't heard from her in a long time. She's off being successful, and Jimmy tried to do the same thing and had to come back. Like, she's the the golden child.
0: Sort
2: of, but she left. Well, she got away. Yeah,
1: she got away.
2: I mean, have, have Jimmy's parents been doing anything other than pushing him to kind of get his life together and leave? Yeah to leave leave yeah
5: oh i didn't get that impression
4: well they definitely tried to keep him with them at all times mm-hmm. while he was in hexed but maybe outside of hexed he wasn't in as much danger
5: well you know? he also
2: wasn't a success. yeah yeah i, I think it's going to be interesting uh if jimmy chooses to try to answer some of those questions through his parents how that's going to go or if he tries to reach out to his sister who we haven't interacted with yet mm-hmm. to figure that out yeah because there's there's a lot of unanswered questions.
1: Yeah, that was that was the plan. Like after this, was to try and contact her after
0: not hearing from her for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's
5: and it's going to be interesting to see if your dad is working with the cult or being blackmailed by yep. the cult.
0: Yeah,
4: that's the new question. Mm-hmm. Lots of interesting power dynamics, I
2: think, in Hextape. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely some some intricate power dynamics. So so um, the last thing I wanted to cover is we had some, we had some growth with some, some NPCs that y'all are interacting with. We had some growth in relationships that um, took place between characters. So the first thing I think that we wanted to, to address or to make sure that was not actually something that we are doing so that. One of the things we wanted to assure our listeners that we are not going to do and that we do have a plan for resolution on is we are not attempting to queer bait with either Lenore and Charlie's budding relationship, if that <laughs> happens, or with uh, Aaron mm-hmm. and his crush on Jimmy. So um, that is definitely something. Like, how do you see Lenore and Charlie, like, how do you see this going forward? Like,
5: well, it's the, I mean, it's the background that we established, like episode one is that Charlie has like a giant crush on Lenore. Mm -hmm. Um, And we haven't super solidified it, but we know that, well, I know, and we've talked about it at the table that Charlie, like Charlie's sexuality is one of the reasons she left Minnesota. Um, But we haven't really like, solidified it past that um but also <laughs> we like established it and then charlie and lenore didn't really get to like hang
0: yeah <laughs> in game a couple of episodes yeah.
5: yeah so like we've been kind of trying to like figure out like where we want that to go or like how organic does it feel that kind of thing because there is like you know character chemistry and or figuring out how much there is and i think i think it's like fun still <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as it doesn't go into the place where it feels like it's being mean and unfair to Charlie.
5: I think, well, I think Lenora's like has some some stealth feelings in there. She definitely got yeah. jealous of Delilah. For sure. She's just not as, as a, and she called Charlie first about her mom. It's true. Lenora's just not, not ready to accept it
4: yet. She's not really a person who's super in touch with her emotions. Yeah. And she spent, you know, her formative adult, young adult years convincing herself she didn't need anyone else and didn't have anyone else and she was fine on her own and it was bad when she connected and connected. Yeah. So the combination, I think, of, of finding somewhere safe for her mom to be and Charlie providing that is hopefully going to allow some room in Lenore's heart I don't know, something to blossom. I mean, Charlie, too. She got burned real bad.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, move halfway across the country, Mm -hmm. levels a bad. And, uh, like, yes, Lenore hid something from her, but came clean a lot faster than other people (laughs) in her life. And Charlie's able to be proactive and helpful about it, which is giving her, like, a sense of of purpose, but also, like, reciprocation, because she relied on Lenore for so long.
4: It's a
2: good foundation. Yeah. I think so. Growth. So um, I guess we'll do our thing where we go around and everybody says their favorite part of this session or of this episode. Not episode. Hunt. Hunts. Hunt. <laughs> their favorite. So we'll go around and we'll, we'll have where each of you say your favorite part of the hunts. And <laughs> Feels like Thanksgiving. This is the oh hardest. Boy. I am thankful for magic. <laughs> yeah. And we can, we can kind of go from there. And then if you guys have any questions you want to ask me, It feels genuinely like 7,000 things happened. Yeah. 7,000 things did happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was a lot.
5: I feel like my favorite part was when Charlie opened the door to the well for the first
4: time.
2: That was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. That was pretty good. Pretty cool moment.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Was your favorite part, Bernetta?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Put us on the spot. Mm -hmm. We asked you last time, so you shouldn't be surprised. No, I'm not surprised. Um, (laughs) I think that my favorite, part gosh i've got a couple but i think that probably my favorite part was when ochos got his his dark dark passenger Mm -hmm. i think that was the coolest bit because like nav had sent me a message about how he wanted to go into the monstrous playbook and i was like okay cool i think i know a way i can make that happen but there's a lot of trust in that moment because you didn't know like Mm what was going to happen any more than anybody else at the table, except that you were going to get to end up being the monstrous and having access to this playbook. And I really appreciated that like as a, as a game master and, and um, a storyteller, like there was, it was cool. Like the way that you described, um, like you came in, you totally bought into the scene and then you described what he looked like everything. Like I could picture it perfectly, like all of his, his armor and his makeup and and then it just, it turned into like such a, such a cool, supernatural, surreal kind of moment. And so anyway, I'm really glad I got to do that scene. That's my favorite scene so far in that, in that hunt.
1: I think mine, there are a lot of like really good moments by like trying to kind of make a cinegraph sort of thing or like kind of set up a, a movie shot of mm-hmm. some of these in my head. Um, But I think my favorite one happened this session.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Whenever Jimmy attempts to seal off the door or the the, the thing. And just like, I can imagine this moment where he feels like kind of this gratification. He's like straining and like making this thing happen. And he's seeing success with it. Like these ghouls are bouncing off this thing and trying to tear into it. But then there's that terrifying moment where this big dude with this insane weapon comes in and just starts slashing through them and looks like it's like the Vader in Rogue One. Yeah. Where the mm-hmm. lightsaber comes on and you're just like, oh God. Yeah. And he just steps through and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it's just you can imagine like how his face falls and everyone else thought they were safe and they're like, oh no, this is a, a bigger problem. And it ends up being like it, it it kind of flips the weird, dumb like high school hijinks. Mm-hmm. To like it makes it a lot more serious it's like oh it's it's the star quarterback and the principal is like oh um what like some sort of stupid animal house reference sort of thing or like Bait our house, whatever sort of thing um but it, it turns it gets this dark undertone where it's like no this is actual malevolence yeah and the the quarterback is actually like not just being the punk kid he's actually kind of Trying to step up and save his friends, and it's this weird dynamic that I thought was like pretty cinematic in its execution. So it was really cool to be a part of that.
2: Cool. Well, I'm glad you liked that. I was I was a little worried that he was too obvious of a of a villain. No, that was <laughs> cool. I like that. <laughs> it was so
4: obvious. He became not obvious. Yeah. 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 So I I mean I like the fact that we got to set up a haven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really really cool. Um, I Dupliet. Just- yeah, I spent my, lo- my little level up on that, but now've we've, we've got a place to go. Yeah, that's safe. that's safe. ish. And who knows what mysteries lurk within it? I don't know. It, it seems like I'm sure you'll find ways to make it surprise and um, impact us negatively. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, oh, I appreciate your faith. You but will. the rules of the game too hinder <laughs> uh-huh. me in that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but
4: we finally got a little bit like this. We still have no idea what's going on or who to trust or what is what we can do about it. But at least we've got somewhere to work from Mm -hmm. a little bit of control. Yeah. You got your own safe little corner of the world. Yeah. Nice. And we got to build it together. It only took us two hours.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I have two, I have two moments that, that really stand out for me. Um, one has got to be, uh, and, and Bernetta as the keeper. You set this up beautifully for me, was, was when Ochoa sees himself in the, in the video mm. dumping oh, yeah. a body. <laughs> and for the listeners out there, that episode ended. And I had no idea how I was going to explain my way out of that. I had to sit on that for a couple of weeks, really just thinking about, oh my God, what happened here? You know, did Ochoa just go all hobo killer and start, you know, murdering people? And, and how am I going to explain this to good old Larry? And, and so how that got resolved was one of my favorite things.
2: Yeah, you liked it, how that, I yeah. liked that too. I was a little afraid that I was about to lose Larry as an NPC, but, you know. <laughs> <sighs> yeah.
3: But we did, we did contemplate that. We did think, well, is a choice, just going to have to take out Larry. And we said, no, come on, we can't take out Larry.
2: Imagine the effect on the stock market for Swedish Fish. Like, oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> you would have thrown the whole world into chaos. Yeah. So
3: that was fun. That was, that was a good two-week crisis that I really wrestled with. And, mm. and then the other, the other moment that I really liked a lot, uh, to use Ty's words, the cinematic, was uh, I loved the way you, Bernetta, described the first time that we saw Tammy crawling on the walls mm. down in that hole that that uh, you know Lenore and Aaron and Jimmy fell down and it's it's it was such a cool scene and I wasn't even part of it but just to just to envision it as as it played out well that was terrifying that oh, was yeah. just awful
4: Nav and I were just sitting here just being like ah <laughs> 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 A lot of those moments. Yeah. Especially because they, they come out of nowhere and we're not expecting
2: that particular horror. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to make it so that the horror that you get is not necessarily the horror you're expecting or when you're expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you guys went into the, into the woods and you guys are expecting something to come after you. Yeah. And... Uh, you rolled that failure, and it was oh, so man. pretty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: like both of those moments, Nav, it was like, it was like swallowing a lead brick as soon as the scene hit. I'm like,
0: oh,
1: oh man, those those were excellent.
2: <laughs> both yeah. based out of failed roles,
4: right?
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And both of them, I wasn't sure were going to happen at all. Like I. Like the, the whole thing with Larry was completely improv at the time. Mm-hmm. Like um, you went in and you're like, oh yeah, of course there's closed circuit cameras here. And I'm like, oh crap, I hadn't thought about closed circuit cameras on the <laughs> website. And I was like, okay, all right, well, let's roll with it. And I was like, well, who's cool to put there? And I'm like, well, I love Larry. Like he's always fun to voice. And uh, then you failed to roll. And I was like, oh, oh what, if, what, if I, what if he sees something terrible happen? And so, yeah, that was really fun that yeah. that just kind of happened. Oh, man. And I wasn't planning on Aaron falling in a ditch or introducing um, your mom attacking people at that point in time, necessarily. So, yeah.
3: I, I hope that, our, uh, that people, our listeners, and everybody, including ourselves, are appreciating how much of this is completely improvised. Yeah. It really is. None of this is scripted at all.
2: <laughs> Except for the first scene on the first time. Yeah. That one was scripted. Like The first scene where I described, like the, the town, um, that's the only scene in this entire hunt. That I've actually scripted all the rest of the descriptions I've made up. Yeah.
0: It's pretty. Awesome. So
2: everything else has,
0: yeah, been improved.
2: Yeah, the only thing that was was that first description as you as you came in on the moon. Yeah, you guys you came are on great. The moon. Yeah, you came in with the moon. Yeah. Like it starts with the moon and then the crazy. the moonlight coming down. Uh, yes, it is. But uh, the moonlight coming down and then it falls down onto the um onto the trailer park.
5: Oh, sorry. like first it like falls onto head, like
1: riding the moon. The,
5: no, I was thinking back on the first episode where we joined the ghost hunting group. I was like, "What are
2: you?" No, doing? no, I'm talking about the first <laughs> the first episode of, yes, of Hunt Two, the trailer part. Um, I mean that's kind of how I pictured it in my head. Like it sounds like a weird phrasing, but it feels like you were the the listener was riding the moonlight as it yeah, hit no, the I town, know. and you were coming in on the moon and seeing everything that had, you know, it illuminated. That's how I pictured the scene. Yeah. So um, anyway, but yeah, you guys, I mean, there's a, so much improv in this. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> awesome. It's been super fun.
3: Sarah, yeah. did, did we get your moment?
5: My opening the well the oh, world yeah. door was it really was, good.
2: Yeah. I was very, uh, very I mean, that was such
5: Well, and it was such a pivotal moment for Charlie. Yeah. It, it was really the first time that she was like, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> I am
4: magical. <laughs>
5: like no. not only is this thing underneath my trailer, but now I am intrinsically tied to it, and that really opened up the new path for her. So.
3: Sarah, hunt two. Um, Charlie. Charlie became powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charlie mm-hmm. became powerful. Yeah. Um, Lenore became vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy grew up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot. A lot. Yeah. He still has some growing up to do, but definitely grew up a lot. I mean, he pants mm-hmm. someone in a boss fight, like. Yeah, well, of course. Still have some-
5: He's still Jimmy, <laughs> <Yeah>. but... <laughs> and
2: it contributed. But yeah. he
5: admitted to all his, you know, prior tomfoolery. So, I mean, yeah. that's not insignificant. And Ocho's uh, Compromised lost himself. <laughs>
2: Ocho's had his world <laughs> rocked. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I, I feel like he. Um, he became unsure. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that like when you went into hunt the first hunt, like Ochos was the most sure about this is the way that things are, this is the way that things are gonna be. He was steady. He was very yeah, very steady. And and everybody my goal for this was that everybody was going to have to have their worlds rocked, and that meant going after a core personality trait of those characters. Mm -hmm. Something that they thought was true about themselves would be true proven to not be true so for charlie it was you know she's average yeah she's average and for lenore um that uh she can take care of herself she uh can take care of everything on her own yep and uh for (laughs) for jimmy it was that he didn't have any responsibility that there were no consequences to his actions and for Ochos it was that he knew what was happening. He knew the way the world worked, and so that was my goal: is that at the end of Hunt Two, everybody would have those illusions rocked.
5: I don't. I can't speak for anybody else, but that was the when we created our characters and we created like the the lies that we believe. Mm-hmm. That was Charlie's Charlie's lie that she believed was that she was average
2: and she would never be better than what she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was all about confronting the lies that the characters believed. In episode two,
3: well, well done, mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that was that was a roller coaster. Well,
2: mm-hmm. I'm glad. I hope you all enjoyed it. And um, we will be coming back for hunt three. Uh, first, we are going to share with our our listeners some previously Patreon exclusives, which take place in our Atomic Age. You're going to get to hear what our uh, Patreon donors have. And able to listen to for the last six months, which is the Atomic Age episode one and two, which will fill out the world of Hex a little bit more. And it takes place in 1947. And it is going to follow the the adventures of a government agency, a group of people assigned to a, a government contract to hunt down these strange and unusual things that are taking place in a small town called Hexed. So you will get to see that, and I hope you all enjoy it. And if you do, feel free to log on and, you know, become a patron and get access to more exclusive content. Thank you all very much. And again, we appreciate everyone who listens to us. So, oh, yeah.
5: Share us with your friends.
2: Yes, share. It's the best way
5: for us to mm-hmm. get new listeners.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Please share us, uh, like our videos, subscribe,
0: whatever it is that you do to, to spread the word appreciate
2: it yeah all right anything else y'all want to say stay spooky friends (laughs) (laughs) all right all right thank you everyone and uh we'll see y'all soon soon bye
4: thanks for listening to all my hexes the keeper was bernetta mcfergus lenore atchison was played by jasmine mcfergus charlie larson was played by sarah lawrence Alejandro Ochoa was played by John Nav Navarrete. Jimmy Bagley was played by Tyler J. McMahon. Please subscribe, like, and share us with your friends. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hext Podcast. That's H-E-X-T Podcast. Or email us at hexpodcast at gmail.com. Join us in two weeks, and remember, dig
0: deeper. The truth starts six feet under.